John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And joining us is Stacy Rost. And Stacey, you know, I know that everybody has made such a big deal out of the clowny or bust idea <clears throat> that uh, if you didn't get Jadeveon Clowney back, <clears throat> this season was going to be a disaster for the defense. And obviously, not having Clowney hasn't helped because they haven't had the sacks, the pressures, all those different things. Right now, 12 sacks in uh, seven games. But I was going through the list right now, and I'll, I'll ask you this. How many in the first half of the season, acquisitions who are edge rushers, defensive ends, or that, have had five or more sacks? Uh, like, wait, in the history of the NFL? No, this year. This, this year. year? Uh, I'm going to say zero? No, I mean three. Three? That's exactly what I said, John. Yeah, I said okay. three. Yeah, three. Okay, so Emmanuel Ogba who went to Miami, he has six. Then you have Alden Smith, who hadn't played in oh, five years. Yeah. He has five. Good for him. And, of course, uh, you know the Cowboys were getting calls from Seattle and other teams to acquire him, but they weren't making the trade. Unique Ndokwe, who's now been traded by from Minnesota. I mean, Jacksonville to Minnesota to Baltimore, he has five, but that's it. And so, for example, you know, Clowney and Vic Beasley took up 22 $0.5 million on one-year deals, no sacks. Beasley just got cut. I think Seattle should consider signing him. And then, uh, you know, you got Dante Fowler. Dante Fowler got $15 million a year from the Atlanta Falcons, and he has two sacks. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the Falcons' defense has just been awful, awful as a whole. You know what makes it tough, I think, for people still is the fact that the Seahawks' defense, as far as their pass rush, still hasn't been good. Yeah. So I think people look at the Clowney thing and they're like, so maybe it was just bust or bust. Like it, it, Clowney isn't doing good elsewhere, but you're still not great. Like You still didn't do what you needed to do, presumably, to fix your defense. What I would say is that... like. I, TBD, wait and see how Carlos uh, Dunlap looks out there. I know he's 31 years old, but uh, the problem with him, it sounds like, um, with Cincinnati isn't that he's struggled as a pass rusher. It's that he wasn't great as a run stuffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, <clears throat> of course, I'm going to imagine that the way they're going to break him in is going to be on third downs or passing downs. And so uh, to try to see if he can get some things going on that direction. And so that'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, I just find it, you know, some years are just different. I mean, you know, and I think the game is different right now because of the mobile quarterbacks, you know, no holding calls, all those things that make it really difficult to get guys to uh, get sacks. So, John, here's my question. How do I make sense of and how do fans make sense of the fact that there have been more offenses than not this year? Like five offenses are getting something like 400 plus yards per game or something like that. I mean, offenses as a whole are just playing better this year. So part of that is, you know, the lack of offensive holding penalties. But Mm -hmm. I think we're also assuming that defenses are worse this year because of not having time together, because of injuries, what have you. How do I make sense of then that there are some defenses like Indianapolis or Pittsburgh uh, that are playing really, really well? Well, because a lot of the fact that they're in the AFC the AFC is loaded with young quarterbacks, and some of these young quarterbacks aren't very good. Mm. Now, again, you know there's talent on both defenses. I mean, you know, Pittsburgh has a great blitz package, but, you know, I think 
if I remember right, when I counted it up this year before the season, you know, they were going to have more games against young, and Colts were going to be in the same way. Those two teams, you know, go against more young quarterbacks, guys third, three years of experience or less uh, than any team in football. I mean, that's why, for example, with Phillip Rivers and the lack of quarterbacks that are going to be on their schedule, I thought that uh, Indy would win the division, and right now they're tied at 5-2. and two. I thought Pittsburgh would win 12 games, and they're actually at 7-0 and oh on a pace to even do better than that. Now, John, I love this conversation. Of course, I have to ask you while I'm here. I know I only have a limited amount of time. It is Bold Take Friday. Trademark. Don't steal that from us, John. I won't. On, on Tom, Jake, and Stacy. I'm going to have to put you on the spot, Professor, and ask you for your bold take. My bold take? I think that uh, the, the Seahawks in a high-scoring game, most likely, because that's all they play, is going to you know, get the take that they should win the game. I mean, I know that for the Washington Post, I did, as expected, uh, vote for Russell Wilson to be the MVP, mm-hmm. you know, Mike Tomlin to be the coach of the year. But I still think that in a game like this where you know, Allen you know, has been up and down, and he had a great four-game start that had him in the MVP race, and then the last four games he's almost been human, particularly he had some e- easier, tougher games to play. But uh, I still think in the end they can squeeze this game off. So my bold take is, Russell will outplay uh, Josh Allen and win the game. Okay, okay. Now, what was yours? Mine. Oh, I can't tell you yet, John. Oh, wait, it's a what, secret. What, give give me gonna, your. Okay. Uh, no, give me your second choice. I'll give you a second choice. Uh, I am going to say that Carlos Dunlap gets one and a half sacks. I think that he will make an immediate impact. I would say two, but I'm too afraid to, John. Mm-hmm. I'm not that bold. I'm not a gambling man. Um, here's my question. Speaking of Russell Wilson, speaking of this MVP campaign, did you hear Marcellus Wiley? I did not, no. Oh, my gosh. Curtis, do we have that sound? I'll look for He'll it. He'll look for it. Okay, so Marcellus Wiley was talking about Russell Wilson's MVP campaign. He had this hot, 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 spicy take, which is that Russell Wilson is just going to blow it. Listen. Nope. He ain't going to win it. I love how you say back on track. What happened to it? What happened to the train? One bad week. Two. Only oh, oh, one two. Two. <laughs> you want to get a two-two? Yeah, uh, he's going to lose it like he finds a way to lose it every single time. And this is not about... Russell Wilson playing bad. It's about Russell Wilson at times going from hot to lukewarm. And then a narrative is created by someone who is hot all the way through. And then that person comes and pounces on the MVP. The disrespect has been noted, John. But secondly, what's your immediate reaction to that? Are you not watching any games? Are you not watching this guy play? I mean, you know, if you're on pace to have, you know, right now on pace to get 59 touchdown passes and, you know, he's one of the best closing quarterbacks in football, you know, with more comebacks in the fourth quarter than any uh, since coming into the league in 2012 and he's won almost more games than anybody, what are you talking about? Also, like, the idea that, oh, he always falls off, he always has these bursts of great games. That's just not true. Like, if you're looking at 2019, he had a string of six 100-plus passer rating games. You know how rare that is to do? Only three other quarterbacks in the history of the NFL had done it, which was Kurt Warner, I think, like, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers or something. Um, And obviously that broke when they played the Baltimore Ravens because you're going to have a down game. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has thrown interceptions this year. Like, you have down games as a quarterback. Um, the idea, though, that he just has bursts of greatness and then eventually falls back to mediocre is whack. That's not Russell Wilson. 
Russell Wilson is like Aaron Rodgers. You'll have maybe a bad day, but it's uncharacteristic. No one counts on that being your second outing after that. And there's a reason his record is so good after he loses a game, because those are usually losses that don't happen again. They're mm-hmm. mistakes he doesn't often make again. The way he's talking about is as if Russell Wilson is like Josh Allen, a guy that has a string of four great games and then inevitably kind of makes a couple mistakes because either he's still growing or just genuinely he's not as talented as Russell Wilson. I mean, I mean that's the thing because I know from uh, doing 22 years at ESPN, it's like you should be as precise and accurate as possible in stating things. I mean, I think that's kind of the idea of it. And it's like when you hear something like that, and I love, I love working with Marcellus Wiley. I've been on radio with him a lot and all it's that stuff. It's a great take. It's a hot take. Yeah, it's like but it's almost like uh, you know Mike Florio and Chris Sims. They're more interested in the clicks on saying something outrageously crazy as opposed to uh, being accurate. I mean, it's like, do you think there's anybody in this league other than Marcellus that doesn't think that Russell right now is the MVP? I think that there are probably Packers fans that think it should be yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. There's individual fans, right? Like, if you're a fan of the Chiefs, fan of the Packers, fan of the Bucks, you're thinking it should be your guy. But if you're anywhere outside of there, how do you not look at Russell Wilson? Because it used to be Russell Wilson's leading on quarterbacks with passer rating. He's the most efficient. Uh, he has fourth quarter comebacks. He whatever. Kind of. I don't want to call them secondary stats, but stats that aren't as shiny as yards and touchdowns. Well, guess what? Now he's leading in touchdowns. You can't just look away from that. No, not at all. And of course, I mean, look at what he leads the league in scoring. I mean, what more do you need? I mean, again, and you have to hold off some of the guys like Patrick Mahomes and you're right, Rogers, Brady, yeah. all those different things. But, uh, you know, he's been able to do it. And the only time things didn't work out as well was in the game against the uh, you know, Arizona Cardinals, where he actually made a mistake, which is so rare for him. And it didn't happen again. We're not expecting that to happen again. I would be shocked if there was another game this year where... I don't even want to say it was a bad game. Three interceptions is bad. It is, I am not surprised your defense couldn't overcome that. Like, that's not a mark in my book because anytime a quarterback throws three interceptions, you're going to have a really hard time winning that game. But outside of that, he played pretty well. Mm-hmm, no doubt. I mean, uh, he's he's been fantastic. But, uh, yeah, it's like you shake your head and it's like, uh, have you noticed that they won six out of seven games? John, I'm glad we got our venting out of the there way. There you go. That I sounds feel, good. I feel good about it. Hey, so what do we have in the show today? Uh, we are going to have uh, Bold Take Friday. We also okay. have every single Friday a game show where I quiz Tom and Jake because I know so much more than them and, and I love giving them a chance to get kind of up to my level. So we're going to learn a bit more about the Bills together as a show. There you go. That sounds great. And so uh, you'll be able to do that. And of course, Stacy, <laughs> thank you. Thanks, and that'll be coming up at 12. And, of course, you can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get out the report card with some grades. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. In the report card we got out each day, we look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, we take the anecdotes, we take social media comments, and we also take the ability to listen and the voices and you know get what's on the report card. And so, Curtis, uh, what do we have on the report card? Well, John, let's get it started here on this Friday with some news in Major League Baseball. We've seen a couple of managerial hires go the controversial route. Uh, A.J. Hinch with the Tigers, Tony La Russa with the White Sox. Let's add another one to that list. That'd be Alex Cora, former manager of the Red Sox. Well, he has been rehired by the Red Sox a year after he was suspended by Major League Baseball for his role in not just the Astros' banging scheme, but also the Red Sox had a sign-stealing scandal of their own uh, back in 2018 when they won the World Series. 
John, I feel like Alex Cora may have been the biggest perpetrator of it. He was the the mastermind of it all, and yet here he is a year later back on the bench of a Major League Baseball team, not just any Major League team, but the team he led a World Series to back in 2018. How are we grading the Red Sox rehiring of Alex Cora? That's an F. I mean, it's like, okay, maybe is it, the idea is you want to go back and uh, see if you can cheat your way through after making so many front office blunders. You know, the Mookie Betts trade and, you know, not wanting to pay anybody and all this different stuff. I mean, I don't know what's happened to the Red Sox, but they are just an absolute mess. And, you know, bringing Cora back and now it's like, okay, are you rewarding him for some of the bad things that he's done uh, with on the field and all those things? It's like, I I just I just shake my head. I'm giving it an F. Yeah, that's a, a franchise that is kind of stuck in the mud here. They spent too much on guys like Chris Sale and J.D. Martinez which allowed them to not be able to pay Mookie Betts, who is probably the second-best player in baseball behind Mike Trout. That That's an organization right now that has made so many blunders in just two years after winning a World Series. They won like 108 games in, in 2018. Uh, so it's not like the cupboard was bare all that long ago, but for whatever reason, they have done everything to fumble away all the momentum they had back then to now where they are just kind of a laughing stock uh, in the American League East. And, but they are an organization that can spend their way out of a hole like this. But, yeah, i got to give the Alex Cora hiring. I'll give it a D- minus just because there's no proof that he'll he's learned from anything that he did with Houston or Boston. Uh, it's just a, a, just a mess. And, and the Red Sox apparently willing to welcome that back into their organization. Also on the report card, John, Everson Griffin – uh, who was recently traded to the Detroit Lions from the Dallas Cowboys. He spent a lot of years playing for the Minnesota Vikings, uh, a lot of years playing for Mike Zimmer. And Mike Zimmer, in his press conference this week, was asked about Everson Griffin, called him a good player, uh, called him somebody that he enjoyed coaching. Well, Everson Griffin apparently took that as a slight. He took offense to being called a good player. Let's take a listen to Griffin's press conference yesterday with the Detroit media. I got a little frustrated when I read that comment, what Zimmer said about, oh, Everson, Everson was a good player. Like he, Coach Zimmer just wasn't a good coach. He was a great coach to me. So for him to call me a good player, you know, that kind of hurts my feelings. So, you know, um, on Sunday I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to playing the Vikings and showing them that I am a great player. I miss Zimmer. So when Zimmer said that about that, I'm a good player, all right, we're going to see who's a good player on Sunday. All right, that's what I got for him. They're going to put some respect on my name. He's going to put respect on my name. That's all I'm saying. Like, he, he, just, he just wasn't a good coach to me. He was a great coach. He, he, he helped me improve. He helped me grow. So I, 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 I don't ever talk bad about people. So for him to call me a good player, all right, I got something for him on Sunday. John, it feels like Everson Griffin's making a mountain out of a molehill here, but that goes that that's how a lot of athletes do it, where they try to find the littlest slight and make sure that that chip on their shoulder stays there for all for all time. How are we grading Everson Griffin taking offense to being called a good player? Yeah, D minus. I mean, I, I you look at it and he goes, okay. And again, you know there was a reservation about having Griffin come to Seattle. Now, obviously, getting a one year six million dollar deal was going to be more than what they did, and he had to, he has two and a half sacks. Uh, he did have a great career in Minnesota, but it's like, you know, he was jumping up and down on this one, just being called a good player. And then, of course, 
course, you have he actually ripped uh, Mike McCarthy because uh, he thought McCarthy should have said better things about him. It's like you scratch your head. Now, you know, a couple of years ago, he did have some off the field issues, you know, having some mental issues and all those different things and had to be away from the team. And it's like, uh, I mean, you hear that and you just say, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, it's like if a player says he's a good player, it's like, you know, it's, it's not like Mike Zimmer has some campaign against Griffin. I mean, he did so well with him and he kept him on the roster for so many extra years and it was worth it because he was good. But it's like, uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, it feels like coaches and players in the NFL use the, the descriptor he's a good player as sort of a catch-all term. I mean, coaches all the time call Tom Brady, he's a good player. Well, we all know that mm-hmm. he's the greatest quarterback ever. Like, just because somebody says he's a good player doesn't change what he's actually accomplished. And so for Mike Zimmer to say Everson Griffin's a good player, that's not a knock on Griffin at all. Like, get over it, dude. You are you're a good player. Uh, in your mind, you may think you're a great player. That's totally fine. But don't, to get mad at Mike Zimmer for complimenting you is ridiculous. I give Everson Griffin a D on that one. John, also on the report card last night, Devontae Adams had another big game, 173 receiving yards and a touchdown. He's got six receiving touchdowns in his last three games. I believe he leads the league with eight on the season. He was asked if he thinks he's the best receiver in the NFL. Here was his answer. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think that's not uh, that's not being conceited. That's just being confident. I think, um, you know, obviously what I've, what I've done and um, what I'm going to continue to do is going to prove that um, to anybody who, who isn't on board with that. But I, I truly believe that uh, just based off of the, the work that I put in, at the end of the day, um, I'll tell you, yes, absolutely. I, I think I'm the best wide receiver in the, in the game, but um, there's a lot of things that go into me being able to, to, to make that statement. So Devontae Adams says he is the best receiver in the NFL. John, do the stats agree with Devontae Adams' assessment of himself? No, I don't think so. I think he's very good. I mean, he's in certainly the top 10. He's got Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball with nobody else around him, but uh, he's not as good as Michael Thomas. He's not as good as DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you can make the argument he's not as good as Stephon Diggs. I mean, he's been really good, but then you know he gets so many passes because there's nobody else that Aaron Rodgers can throw to. So uh, I, I, I give him a C-. minus. Yeah, I, I would not put him in the conversation of best receiver in the NFL. Now, if he has a season where he finishes with 1,600 yards and 15 touchdowns, something like that, I think it's it's definitely fair to put him in that conversation, but we're still a ways away from that. Yeah, I which mean, I'll, th- I'll throw one out to you. It's like, where would you compare him with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? Yeah, if I'm building a team right now, John, and I had my pick of wide receivers – I don't know if there's anybody I would take over DK Metcalf. Just his youth compared with his production, uh, it, it is a combination that is rarely seen at any level or in football, or really in the NFL's history. Uh, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, just comparing him to guys like Julio Jones and Calvin Johnson, T.O., Randy Moss. I mean, only Randy Moss is at the level of, that DK Metcalf is currently at right now. So uh, I don't know if I would take Devontae Adams over many people, but uh, I, don't, I would not consider him to be the best in the NFL. And then finally, John, on the report card here, uh, what do you – are you surprised by what I'm about to tell you here? Russell Wilson has officially filed a trademark for the phrase, let Russ cook. Yeah, really? He, he wow. has. Uh, yeah, according to the United States Trademark uh, Directory, you can search that up. It's public information. Uh, Russell Wilson and his, uh, his company has filed for the trademark for let Russ cook because 
They want to put it on a line of cooking utensils. So uh, Russ uh, could be in your kitchen uh, coming to a store near you maybe you know within a year or so. How are we grading Russ filing a trademark for the phrase, let Russ cook? We'll give it a B-plus because it's, it's a positive thing. There's nothing negative about it. And you know he has been cooking, and so uh, you know he'd get great grades by all the top chefs. So I'd say that's fine. Yeah, I, I would gladly buy some let Russ cook cooking merchandise. I'm surprised uh, you know when they have Fans coming back to CenturyLink Field, whenever that may be. Uh, I hope they have a, a restaurant there called Let Russ Cook, and it's just all of Russ, Russell Wilson's favorite uh, favorite recipes, favorite food. That'd be, uh, I think that'd be that'd that be would great. go over well. That's it for today's report card, John. Okay, and of course you can check out the professor's notes at seven ten sports dot com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at five. Coming up next, we are going to go on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions. It's the John Clayton Show. And, of course, Texas at 710-710. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. It is time to go on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line to take your text questions. You can text us at 710-710. And so, uh, Curtis, what do we have? Well, John, let's get it started here. Uh, actually, some news in the Pac-12 coming down. Uh, Washington Cal will not be the only game canceled this weekend. Arizona at Utah, the other one. The now. Utes. Yeah, the, the Utes. The Utes getting canceled. So uh, that game will not go on either. So Washington Cal, not the only teams who won't be playing on Saturday. Uh, from the 206, they want to know, John, where do you think Russell Wilson ranks all-time best quarterbacks if he wins one more Super Bowl? Mm, you know, I'd say he would be probably, you know, because cha- right now I have like Aaron Rodgers at number 10. And if he can find a way to pass him, you know, that would put him at number 10. And <clears throat> he still has more things to accomplish down the line. So I'd say right now, you'd probably say one more Super Bowl would put him number 11, and then you start to look at the debate on Aaron Rodgers and maybe say maybe he is number 10. This one comes to us from the 253. They want to know, John, why do you think the Seahawks prefer Freddie Swain over John Ursua? Because of the fact that uh, you know Swain, Swain is more like the T.J. Lockett type of guy who can play the outside and also the slot. I mean, Ursua is more just the slot guy. And, of course, I mean, you've got uh, Lockett mostly playing in the slot. And so I think that's the main reason. And Swain, Swain just, I mean, it, he's a little faster. Uh, but again, you know, that's, I think it's going to be an interesting decision this weekend to see, you know, with Philip Dorsett, I would anticipate going on the injured reserve list because he just had the bone spurs taken out of his ankle. I would have to think that, uh, you know, there's a decent chance that maybe or so it could be brought up. This, this one from the four two five. they want to know which running backs are expected to play Sunday for Seattle. Uh, still don't know about Chris Carson. We'll find out later this afternoon. Uh, we know that, uh, Travis Homer. We know that uh, DJ uh, Dallas and most likely Alex Collins coming off the uh, practice squad. This next one comes to us from the 253. They want to know, who do you see getting more usage on Sunday, Greg Olson or Will Disley? Uh, I, I still think it's going to be Greg Olson. I know there's a little worry because you know he missed practice on Wednesday with a foot injury, but he was able to be limited. So I think it's still going to be Greg Olson. From the, this one goes to the 206. They want to know, do you think Seattle will blitz more on Sunday considering the success they had against San Francisco? 
Yeah, I would think so. I don't see why not. I mean, uh, you know, they got to watch it so they don't get burned for big plays. But I would have to think that now you got you know an option with, with Jamal Adams. You've got the option to do it with uh, Bobby Wagner. I mean, DJ Reed showed that he can come in and blitz. So I think they will blitz more. From the three six zero, they want to know what's uh, what's CJ Proceis's whereabouts these days. Uh, he's back on the Houston practice squad. You know, they cut him and then they you know, they cut him from the roster and put him on the practice squad. From the uh, let's see here, this one comes to us from the two five three. They want to know. How do you expect DJ Dallas to play against Buffalo's defensive line? I think pretty well because, again, it's like he ran well last week. I mean, that was his first real true game where he's played that much. And so I think, you know, if given the chance, he'll do better. 253 wants to know, John, do you think a 13-3 and record would be good enough for the number one seed in the NFC? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's going to be a challenge is if Green Bay wins 13 uh, or Tampa Bay, you know, where the tiebreakers are. Now, again, we'll find out more about Tampa Bay this week, but you know, certainly you know, Tampa Bay going in and beating Green Bay in Green Bay was huge in you know, knocking down their status a little bit. But 13-3, I think, can get you a number one seed. This one comes to us from the 425 and a couple other numbers, but they want to know with their loss last night, John, do you think the 49ers shut it down for the season? Not shut it down because that's, a, you know, with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch there, they're never going to quit, but they're done. I mean, it's over. I mean, it's like they've got New Orleans next week. That could put them at four and six. And, you know, the only thing that could keep them alive to a certain degree, and that's why they'll continue to play as hard as they can, is that if they do have any. You know, games that are postponed, uh, games that uh, take it so that they you know need to go to 16 teams, then they still would have a chance to maybe get the eighth wild card spot or the, the last wild card spot at you know eight teams in the conference. This one comes to us from let's see here the two five three. They want to know will Earl Thomas make the Hall of Fame if he plays or even if he never plays another snap? It's going to take a little bit of time, but I think that uh, he's certainly one of the main candidates because he was the best safety, I would think, in the 2010 to 2019, uh, that decade. And he was certainly all decade and all that stuff. So I think he does have a chance. And then this one from the 425, they want to know, have we heard any updates on Rashad Penny this week? Uh, Nothing. I mean, still maybe a week or two away. Uh, no update coming from Pete Carroll. From the 407, they want to know, John, how much do you see Snacks Harrison playing this week? I'd say if he plays, it's going to be like 15, maybe 18 plays, somewhere in that neighborhood. Won't be a lot. From the from the 253, they want to know, John, how do you think Jaron Reed is going to play when Snacks Harrison is playing next to him? Why, don't, why would you assume that Snack Harrison is going to be playing next to him? Because, again, it's like uh, they like Puna Ford, and Harrison hasn't done anything yet to win a starting job. I mean, we'll see how he does in the field. So I, I wouldn't go that far yet. From the 509, John, they want to know, uh, out of the current playoff teams in the NFC, so that would be Seattle, Arizona, L.A., Tampa, New Orleans, Green Bay, and Chicago, uh, which one of those teams do you see not hanging on to their playoff spot? Mm, repeat those five teams again. Or seven teams. Seven so teams. Seattle, Arizona, L.A., Tampa, New Orleans, Green Bay, Chicago. Uh, Chicago for sure. I think they could drop. And then I'd, I'd still say Arizona. I mean, we'll see how they hold up here. Uh, you know, Again, you know, they did lose two games that they should have won to Carolina and Detroit. They just played poor in that. But I still think that they're good, and I think they're a challenger. But I still think the Rams are a little bit better. 
from the 253. John, they want to know what are the chances Daryl Taylor doesn't suit up this season? Mm, I guess there's growing chances because we're almost halfway through and it hasn't happened yet, but uh, don't rule them out yet. This one comes to us from the 253. They want to know whatever happened with the workout Malik McDowell had a few weeks back. I think it was uh, with Miami, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, nothing because, again, he didn't sign, and I don't think anybody's surprised about that. Remember, the guys never played it down in the league, and, uh, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, what, you know, where, where is head is after the uh, the bad accident that he had i still wonder about that with concussion issues and everything else this one from uh the 206 they want to know john anything on josh gordon nothing nothing not a whisper not no whisper no again it's like the fact that you're not hearing anything things sound to be negative yeah because it's been way past the 60 day Mm -hmm. marker for the uh, nfl to rule on anything we're done with half the season already uh so it's not looking good for Josh no. Gordon's availability in 2020. Not at all. Uh, this one comes to us from the 360. They want to know, John, how do you see Troy Main Pope playing for the Chargers on Sunday? Mm, we'll see if he plays. I mean, first off, he has to see if he's he's on the active roster. But uh, you know, he's going to be at the back of the list as far as the running backs, and so it's not. It's very possible he could be inactive. This one, John, it's from the 425. They want to know, do you think New England starts Cam Newton tomorrow Mm, or on Sunday? I do, yeah. I mean, you know, they haven't benched him yet, and so they are standing by him, but I do think he's going to play. I mean, he's healthy enough to be able to play. Uh, But, uh, and again, it's like he should have a good day. He's playing the Jets. Most people have good days against the Jets. Everybody does. I think you and I would have a good day against the Jets. From the 425, they want to know, who do you think wins between the Cardinals and Dolphins? Uh, I'd say the Cardinals because you know it's <clears throat> the Cardinals are going to put you in a position with Tyler uh, with Kyler Murray to you know be able to outscore you. And if that's going to be a game like that with Tua now in his second game and Emily having 12 completions for 93 yards, I can't see him winning a scoring game. And then finally, John, this one comes to us from the 206. They want to know. What is your score prediction for the Seahawks and Bills? Uh, I think I'll go 31-28 uh, Seahawks. Okay. High-scoring affair. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's how every game's going to be this year. Not every game, but most. You came, I believe you came close to predicting the uh, Packers 49ers game last night. You had, I think, 31-10. It finished 34-17. Mm-hmm. So you heard it here first. Uh, John, that is it for text questions. Okay, so we're coming back with our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. And it is time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so, uh, you know, more bad news for the Pac-12 is that the uh, Utah game was canceled uh, because of COVID. And, of course, we know yesterday, in fact, it was how ironic was it that, you know, we closed, uh, you know, the, the our Daily Dose of the Gras yesterday talking about whether the Washington game was going to be canceled. And within two minutes after the show, they did cancel the game. Right. They did. And now another one. And uh, the Pac-12 is off to a rocky start. And again, don't you think so much of this is because the lack of leadership coming from the top, from the commissioner and all that stuff, because they were the really one of the last to decide, oh, let's play. And they kind of did. It's like, well, we're not going to play. 
And then, of course, they saw that the pack that the Big Ten changed their opinion. And so it's like, oh, yeah, now we're going to play. And, you know, you can see that, uh, you know, they, they leave it so they have no operating room, no error room in case, you know, you can move games back. Because, uh, you know, now what's going to happen, right. and, of course, they set it up with the 14-day quarantine period. I mean, Cal very well could miss a second game. And there's only seven to begin with. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, it, it, they could have done a better job of thinking it out. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, the protocols seem fine, but uh, not not building in flexibility is something that, that every other conference, every other sport learns they had to do was to have something in there to, to uh, anticipate the fact that, that you're not going to be able to get through it without problems. So I would agree with you there. And, and uh, look, I'm no fan of Larry Scott. And this is uh, not a reason to be one either. No, not at all. I mean, really, it's just done a terrible job. And, you know, I guess it continues and you just wonder when's that change going to be made? You know, and how disappointing is it for the Huskies not to be able to yeah. you know, debut their new quarterback, you know, debut Jimmy Lake and his first chance to, you know, get a head coaching job? No, it's brutal. I mean, it's brutal. I mean, they, they you know, you, you felt the excitement, the enthusiasm. Uh, it was, uh, you, had, you had the great uh, uh, secret as who was going to be quarterback. He looked like he was having some fun with it. So I think it's a, it's a real tough blow for Washington. Hopefully they just, uh, just you know, view it as, a, as an early week off and plow right through it. And, and don't, uh, you know, the, the, the problem is you don't want guys getting upset and going out and doing things that get themselves in trouble. So let's hope they don't. No, Fingers crossed. Yeah, let's let's hope that it does turn out to be uh, you know much more positive. Cougars are playing though. Yeah, that's true. What's your what was your They're thought when they against Oregon State uh, in uh, Nick Rolovich's first game? It'll be interesting to see how he does with a true freshman at quarterback. I think the first one since uh, I want to say Drew Bledsoe, um, but but back in a, lo- a long way to go, and, and we'll get a look at a you know it, it's the air raid is gone, but uh, I think it's the run and shoot that's back. They're still in a passing sort of offense and. They've got a couple of decent players coming back, uh, especially in the backfield. So uh, we'll see what they can do. Mm-hmm. No, it's going to be that. At least will be good to to watch and uh, you know see how USC if they really are a team that can do well and get into this thing. But you know it's good to see Pac-12 football. But it's like you know it's now the Pac-8 now that we have uh, four games canceled. And of course with Utah doing it this late, I mean now there's a good chance that they'll be out for two weeks. Yeah, tough break, man. Definitely a tough break. Well, I tell you the one thing that kind of intrigues me is that, uh, you know, I, I still think that, uh, you know, the NFL has done a great job with what they've done with their protocols and COVID-19. And I know since Monday, everybody looks and panics at the fact that there's been, what, 33 players on the COVID list and more added today. But four, this, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so it's 37. But the thing is, you know, in each of the last four weeks, there's not been a week where there's been more than uh, eight guys, players that have tested positive. Eight's been yeah, the and that, I mean, yeah, you had to expect it, and and not not being in a bubble and and being um, just a much bigger operation, uh, there was no way they were going to avoid it. Uh, and uh, so far, they've they've managed to spare any big problems. But we've talked about. I mean, everyone got a good look at what the NFL was doing with their with their billions of dollars. Uh, when you watched Hard Knocks, and you saw the the um, uh, the precautions that that both the Los Angeles teams were doing. Uh, it was. You know something that's been mimicked throughout the league, and and um, you know I saw the league came down pretty hard on the was it the Raiders, the Raiders, yeah, for not uh, for not following protocols. So uh, they're um, they are, as we said, at the halfway point of the season, doing a good job. 
Yeah, they really have. And that's the thing that, uh, you know, because, again, the list looks burdensome because of the numbers. But, again, the numbers are basically the protections because, you know, it's the, what they using the tracers and everything else. You know, they say, OK, this guy's high risk. They're going to be, you know, w- w- because he was too close to the guy that uh, had the uh, test positive. So you sit him out five days and some of the other guys can come back a little bit quicker. And they keep they keep changing all this stuff every week. And having uh, you know expanded taxi squad, having more players available. Like, like I said, the NFL did did a lot of things right. So, what did you think of the Forty ers last night? As oh my all goodness, their problems. They, oh. they were well. I mean, in all fairness to them, and and you know how I hate to show all fairness to them. I mean, losing four guys right before the game was obviously brutal, and and uh, losing um, losing the tight end was was, was brutal as well, and. And, you know, Green Bay had a lot of motivation in this game, and, and it was a very tough game for the 49ers over the weekend, even though Green Bay had lost that game as well. So, you know, I mean, it, it, the final score looked a lot more respectable than it actually was, but, you know, they were, they, they were in a no-chance situation and, and uh, are in, uh, in deep. I mean, they're in, they're in bad shape going the rest of the way. Yeah, no doubt. And of course, uh, <clears throat> the next week after you know a ten day break, you know they play uh, the New Orleans Saints, and you just don't have a good feel for that. You know, you don't know how many players are going to come back. But you know they totaled up seventy nine million dollars of cap room that's tied up on players that are on reserve lists. And there was twenty four. Yeah. Yeah, that's brutal. I mean, I don't know that this team in football is going to overcome that, John. No, no. And again, we're seeing more of it because, again, more you got more injuries this year. You have more missed games because of COVIDs, uh, you know, being on the COVIDs list. I mean, you know, here they lose, you know, Brandon Ayuk, uh, wide receiver, and, uh, you know, they're, they're left tackle Trent Williams, even though they didn't test positive, but they're near enough to uh, Kendrick Bourne. And so next thing you know, that they're out, and the replacement for Trent Williams ends up giving up three sacks. Yeah, no contest game, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, though the Seahawks haven't had any reports or anything, hopefully uh, they didn't have any problems uh, going into that game, and boy, they got a good one on Sunday, man. Yeah. Uh, that Buffalo game is is really an interesting game, isn't it? It really is. How do you think they can handle it? Do you think they can win this one? Well, sure, but I mean, I think it, it, it's going to be, you know, Buffalo's missing a couple of key guys, and <clears throat> you know, they, they've been running the ball well, but they're going to want to throw the ball against Seattle. Everyone does, and you know, they've got some weapons to do that. Allen has is, is, is cooled off from his hot start. But this is a team that's gotten used to winning over the past two years. And, and uh, I think they're, they're, in, uh, they're anticipating this as, as a big game as well. You know, for Seattle, uh, you know, what, what, what's got them here is what's, what should work going forward. I, I know Jamal Adams is expected back. I do not. I don't know about you. I do not expect to see them blitz as much in this game as they did in the San Francisco game. Um, you know, I, I think they'll, they'll they'll keep some of those packages in there, but I don't think you'll see as much of it as you, as you saw in that game. They want to give Buffalo a different look, and and uh, the, the Bills can score. So my feeling is this is going to be a typical Seahawks game, which is which is pretty high scoring. Yeah, no doubt. I was going 31-28 Seahawks. Uh, Sounds about right. Yeah, it's like it, it'll be that type of a game, and of course, uh, you know, you hope that they close the game, you know, better than they had in the Arizona game and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, this will be a challenge. But uh, you know, uh, if they can win, then they have a great chance to go nine and one, ten and zero in non-division games, and that could put them on path for a twelve, thirteen, fourteen win season. Right, which they're on path for right now. If uh, you know, assuming they stay healthy, and it's going to be. Interesting to see the new guys incorporated in, and and uh, how much they are incorporated in, and and uh, it's going to be a fascinating game. It's always fun to see a team that you don't see very often, 
and that's certainly the case with the Bills, and, and um, it, it should be a very interesting game. So what's on the garage schedule for the weekend? Uh, social distancing, John, and watching a lot of football. Well, that's a pretty good thing to do. I think that's not a bad yeah, not way. Bad. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's tough not watching baseball, but then you had a great time with all the baseball playoffs. Well, you got the Pac-12 back, so uh, the full football, with, with apologies to the Huskies, the full football uh, is back here a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving. No doubt about it. And that's our Daily Dose of the Garage with Dave Grosby. David, thank you, and we'll talk on Monday. John, have a great weekend yourself, buddy. Be careful out there. Okay, sounds good. And, of course, uh, I'll be back tomorrow from uh, 8 to 10, taking your phone calls. And Curtis Rogers will be coming in at uh, 10 o'clock, of course, you know, with uh, Taylor Jacobs. And they'll be having Seattle Sports uh, Saturday. And so, uh, you know, Curtis, thank you for everything this week. And what do you have on the show tomorrow? Uh, yeah, John, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, previewing this Buffalo-Seattle uh, game on Sunday, and then also a lot of college football, even though there's no, uh, you know, what we're down a third of the Pac-12 yeah. games, there's still some college football to be spoken about, so we'll get into that too. Okay, well, that sounds good, and of course, I'll talk to you tomorrow. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.